0: Well, okay, you can make your way back to your seat there. Hey, uh, it's great to see you today. If you are new, if you're a guest with us today, welcome. Uh, My name is Steve, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the opportunity to bring God's Word to us today. Isn't it great just to be together? I just enjoy this so much. I want to uh, just, I've been keeping a couple things in front of you right now, our East Congregation. We're getting ready to send out to Patasco. They're worshiping packed out back here in our chapel. It's great. I just stuck my head in there a few moments ago. The Lord's at work in that effort. And uh, God is the God of new things. And so I want us to keep that in our prayers, okay, as uh, we, we consistently move forward towards launching them out to be a light in that community. And also, uh, as you've noted, in this room, we're, we're uh, remodeling. We're giving this room a facelift, so incrementally from week to week on, on through the first week of October, you'll see things changing, and then hopefully at some point it'll be all done, right? And uh, we will enjoy that, so kind of bringing it up into the 21st century, which is great. It's good to see uh, Elder Bill Robbins able to be with us in church today after a little mishap. Um, Claire didn't hit him too hard, but uh, he's, no, I'm kidding. He's a had a little fall there, but he's on the road to recovery, so good to see you, Bill. Hey, we are in a series uh, in, in church here called Ecclesia, which is the Greek word translated church in the Bible, and that's where we're going today. So if uh, you have your worship folder there, you can pull that study guide out so you can follow along with me, and I'm going to read our passage for today. We've kind of been locked in here for several weeks, so it's a description of the life of The church life, the ecclesia life of the very first Christian church that came into existence about 2,000 years ago. So let me read it for us, and uh, please listen as I read. Acts 2, beginning in verse 42. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul who were being saved. This is God's word. It's a description of the ecclesia lifestyle of that very first church that sprang into existence 2,000 years ago through the power and activity of the Holy Spirit, preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost. And I think it's been a healthy thing for us to look into the Bible and see Jesus' church as he intended it to be. Here in Acts 2, it describes in some detail that prototype church, that model ecclesia. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we've been seeking to identify in that first church the marks of a vibrant, healthy ecclesia that churches of every generation do well to seek to emulate, including this one right here. And we've been using an acrostic, a borrowed, I borrowed it, a borrowed acrostic which sometimes they can help us remember things, and I'm giving it to you in this form so that you can share it with other people, all right, so if somebody at work says to you, hey, I hear you go to church, what's your church all about, you can say, oh, I'm glad you asked, I just happen to have my notes from a a couple of sermons that we did at our church, so the acrostic is Jesus Church, and so far, if you remember, if you were here last weekend, we've covered J-E-S-U-S and C, so today we're covering Herch, all right, so uh, let's see how this is working for us in terms of remembering. J stands for Jesus centered Bible preaching and teaching. They did that in the first church. We seek to do that here in our church at every age level. Amen? Keep the focus on Jesus. J E. E stands for emotion filled worship. That the Lord calls us to love Him with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds, all of our strength, everything we've got. And that it's okay to be emotional. As we worship our Lord. J-E-S stands for saved church members. U stands for underwater baptism. S stands for sin repenting people. J-E-S-U-S and then the first C in church communion. We talked about that last week. We'll also be participating once again today in communion in a few moments. So you can be preparing your hearts for that. So we're going to pick up where we left off. If you didn't get a chance to hear Uh, To be here last week, I encourage you to get online because this week kind of builds on last week. There's a continuity there, and um, I'd love for you to have the whole thing, okay? So we're we're picking up there. We'll start with H, and H stands for huge generosity, huge generosity. So say that with me. Huge generosity, generosity, right? All who believe we're together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's huge generosity right there. I've been attaching a big idea, a big theological idea to each of these points, and the big idea here is the generosity of Jesus. The generosity of Jesus, that Jesus Is the most generous person ever. And Jesus' church, his ecclesia, is seeking to express that characteristic of their Lord through our own unselfishness. Amen? Our own generosity, our own giving of ourselves. But we should always be mindful of the fact that the motivation to live like that, the power to live like that, comes from Jesus, our generous Lord. He is the source, He is the source of our generosity. So just think for a moment about the generosity of Jesus. Think about his giving his gifts to us. It was Jesus who gave us this beautiful world that we live in. What glorious weather we've had the last few days here in central Ohio, like it is all the time here in central Ohio, right? (laughs) The beautiful blue sky, the 72 degree weather. You know, when you look outside in the morning, do you thank Jesus for this world that he gave us? All things were made by him, the Bible says. It's a gift from him. And then he didn't stop there. He he actually gave humanity the gift of his presence, didn't he? He left his home in heaven. He came to us down here on the earth. He became one of us. He gave us the gift of proximity, of coming close to us, of, of even being one of us. How beautiful is that? And then not only did he do that, not only did he come, but he gave his life, didn't he? He laid down his life for us to pay our sin debt before the Lord. And then rising from the grave, he gave us his righteousness so that on that day when we stand before God in heaven, we have not our own record, but his perfect righteous record. Jesus is generous. Think of all the gifts he gives us. The Holy Spirit, the word of God, the people of God, the church, the gift of daily provision. Man, let's not take this for granted. How many of you have actual, real food in your fridge right now? Yeah, how many of you have clothes in your closet? How many of you have more than one pair of shoes? How many of you have like 40 pairs of shoes? <laughs> Closet's full, right? I mean, we take this for granted here in the West, but this is a gift of, of God to us. Right. Daily provision. He gives us so many things. He gives us his peace, his power, protection, not to mention eternal home in heaven with him forever and ever. Generosity fills the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ and overflows into the lives of his people so that they become generous like him. What we see in that first church is people making some pretty unselfish choices. You see that? Choices that reflected a love for Christ and a love for Christ's people. We see members sharing their possessions with each other. We see some selling of their stuff on Craigslist and giving the money to the needy who were among them. If you read later on in chapter 4, we, we read that some of them even sold off some property that they owned and they took the sale proceeds, brought them to the leadership of the church, and said, Here, this is, this is for the church. You can distribute it however you see fit. That's huge generosity. And we believe that true Christians, true followers of Christ will become generous people because Jesus gives us a new heart when we're saved, right? A new heart that that beats with his heart, that has new affections, new desires, new loves, new priorities. And what happens is that when someone becomes a believer, the, the needs of the family start to rise above the desire to have more toys. The, the, the desire to fund the mission of Jesus starts to overshadow the craving for just more and more and more creature comforts. Jesus' people start to give generously, not because they have to, not because some preacher is twisting their arm, but because they want to. Their heart has been changed. This is the fruit of the gospel taking root in the lives of the people of God. Huge generosity. Here in this church, we encourage each other to be generous like Jesus, to cheerfully give of our resources to support the work of God, the gospel work of God in and through this church. But you know what? Generosity, we know this, encompasses more than just giving away money. A gospel-fueled lifestyle includes giving away time, giving away energy, giving away effort to bless other people, to build them up, to point them to the Lord. And then when we team up together, that's a a dynamic thing. When we we pool our resources, when we combine our efforts, it can be even more impactful. We can love our neighbors in some beautiful ways when we team up. Around here, we've coined a term. It's called love works. Love works. That's that's the good things that Christians do, teamed up together to bless our neighbors, to, to bless our community. And one way I've seen the generosity of Jesus shown here at New Life is through what is called our Shark Tank Outreach, which I think is one of the bestest, coolest ideas we've ever come up with. And it wasn't my idea. It came from, it came from somebody else. One of the, the, the most creative ways for doing love works here in our city that, that I've ever seen in, in all my years in ministry. I've been so encouraged and enthused and moved by what I've heard our small groups doing this summer that I'm, I've started to tell my pastor friends about this idea. I said, you you, you gotta check this out. Your your communities can be blessed too through Shark Tank outreach. And if you're new around here and you're thinking, what, (laughs) Shark Tank outreach, what are you talking about? Well, it's it's basically what you see on the TV show, Shark Tank, except the ideas being pitched for investment come not from entrepreneurs, but from enterprising small groups. And the entries are not ideas for a new business venture They are creative ways for the small group to bless other people in the name of Jesus. And so every small group submits an idea to a team, and it gets evaluated for its creativity and its thoughtfulness and the potential for impact in our community, and the winners all get money, like they get a bunch of funds to carry out their their ministry project together. And so... I'd love for you to get a feel to get a glimpse of some of the shark tank activities that our groups were involved in this summer. So put a little video together, so take a look up at the screens and check this out. Come set your rule and in our hearts
1: again. in us we pray Unveil why we're made Come set
0: Cool is that. <laughs> I saw some of you in there. That was great. As one man said, the church has left the building <laughs> and fanned out into the community, teaming up to touch people with the love of Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? Something about that just touches my heart, and, and it, it's such a cool thing. And so, this is what we're talking about: offering the love and kindness of Jesus to people with no strings attached. Right with no strings attached, just because we love you. Nothing funner in the world than teaming up with like-minded kindred spirits to serve our community together. If you needed another reason to get in a small group, there's one for you right there. So here's the big question for you on this one. Are you growing in generosity, increasingly giving away your time, your money, your resources to meet the family's needs and to further the mission of Jesus in this world? And are you teamed up with others in a small group to do this together? It's a good question, right? I hope you will take that to heart. Huge generosity characterized that first church, and hopefully more and more is becoming a mark of this church as well, reflecting the generosity of Jesus. Not only that, but here's a a second mark. They were unified in prayer. They were hugely generous, yes, and they were unified in prayer. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to prayers. We all know that first church, that first ecclesia came into existence through the power of the risen Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit. But on the human side of the equation, it could be said that it was born out of prayer. Much prayer, fervent prayer, continual prayer, devoted prayer. If we look back into Acts chapter 1, into the earlier part of that story. Here's what we see Jesus' disciples doing right after he left them and ascended back up into heaven, Acts 1.12. It says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. This is the other Judas. How would you like to have been that guy, by the way? It's like, I'm the other Judas, okay? (laughs) All of these, it says, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. Together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was there, and his brothers. So Jesus' half-brothers came to faith in him after his resurrection. They were all there. And that group of about 120 people made a practice when they came together of praying together, of coming before the Lord together. And because Judas had defected and left them, there was a leadership deficit and they, they needed to choose or select another of Jesus' disciples to take his place, to bring the, get back to a full contingent of 12. And so two potential candidates emerged. And so what did the church do? Acts one twenty four and they prayed. They brought it to the Lord. And they said, you, Lord, you who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. They looked to the Lord in prayer. In chapter 2, it tells us that when, when the church was born, they were all together in one place, and I believe one of their activities that they were engaging in was praying together. After the church was born, it says in verse 42 here, they devoted themselves to prayer. Acts chapter 3, the next chapter, opens up by telling us that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was 3 p.m. So right out of the chute, this church was establishing this daily rhythm. There's a daily time for prayer that we all come together and we seek the Lord together. A few days later, when persecution broke out against the church, We see this young ecclesia church instinctively go to prayer. In Acts chapter 4, it says they lifted their voices together to God. We call that a concert of prayer. Everybody praying out loud at the same time to the Lord. And they prayed for more boldness to continue proclaiming the gospel of Jesus despite the opposition. After they prayed, it says the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's chapter 4 and verse 31. That's some powerful praying when the place you're at when you're praying starts to vibrate and shake. So, So listen, Jesus' first church was a praying church. It was born in prayer. It continued in prayer. It was sustained through difficult times in prayer That church was emboldened through prayer and its gospel impact was extended through prayer, going to God together in prayer. just became kind of a, a reflex for the members of that church. It became an instinct for them. It's what they did. We take everything to God in prayer. And what I want to point out is that this kind of praying is what is known as corporate prayer, which is a horrible word to describe it. It sounds so corporate but it just means praying together, right? Now, like many of you, I believe in personal prayer, like getting alone with God. I try to do that every morning. I get alone with God in my place, in my home, meet with the Lord, let Him speak to me through His word, and and I pray. I talk to, to the Lord by myself. But this here is not that. This was praying together. This was coming before the Lord together with other brothers and sisters in the family of God. This was ecclesia praying. So I thought about this, and as a pastor, I'd like to give you a challenge in this area, okay? So Pastor Steve's Ecclesia Prayer Challenge, and here it is. When you come here on Sundays, when you come to this place to gather together with the people of God to worship Jesus, how about if you embrace the mindset that you're coming here, among other things, to pray with somebody? that before you get back in your car and head out of the parking lot and get on with the rest of your day, you're going to make a point of praying with somebody here. Wouldn't that be great? You say, well, how, how could that work? Well, it could take several forms. You could come and pray with a prayer partner at the close of the sermon, right? Those folks who stand up here every week, they are trained. I was at their training yesterday. It was wonderful. They would love to pray with you. They would love to pray for you. It's not scary or anything like that. That that would be a way that you could engage in this idea of ecclesia prayer, being prayed for, praying with someone else through coming and being prayed for by a prayer partner. Or how about this? At, At the end of our time together, Instead of kind of bolting out of here and uh, getting in your car and speeding off, how about just pausing for a moment and looking around and seeing if there's anybody that you could walk up to and say, hey, could we just pray together for a couple minutes here? Why not? Is there something going on in your life that, that I could pray with you about? Wouldn't that be a great thing to, to, to say that everybody who came to church got prayed with, prayed for somehow? I think that would be... Wonderful. Even the, a few minutes before the Lord together could do wonders for their soul, and it could do wonders for your soul as well. And if you can't think of anything personal to pray about in that time, you can just pray for our church here. Pray for all that, that's going on that, that we're hearing about and, and talking about. I hope hundreds of you will take me up on that. Often on my drive home from church on Sunday, I just think about, I just reflect back on the people I got to pray with that morning, And it's, it's a wonderful thing. And then, then there's this. There's another opportunity for praying together that's coming up in about a month. I've been kind of leaking it out a little bit to you. It's a concentrated prayer emphasis that I'm just calling Eight Great Days of Prayer and Fasting. Eight great days of prayer and fasting sacrificially seeking God together with faith for impossible things. September 22nd through 29th. So about a month from now. And, and this first came to me. It was when Andrew uh, gave his sermon here, Andrew Pelitz, a few weeks ago. He actually gave it first in our Saturday worship gathering. And he just kind of threw out this phrase, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And it's like the Holy Spirit reached out and reached into my chest and grabbed my heart and said, I want you to listen to that, that uh, statement about my power, and I've begun, since that time, praying for impossible things. You know what I'm talking about. Those things that, humanly speaking, look like they're not going to happen. We know God wants them. We know they would honor God. We know they would magnify Jesus. But it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. And there's, there's many, many of those things in my life. But I narrowed it down to four impossible things that I've been praying for every day since I heard that sermon that day. And I'm saying, God, you've got to do this. is if you don't do this, it's not going to (laughs) happen, because it seems impossible, but it's something I would, I think you would want to do, it's something that would magnify Christ, most of the things I'm praying for have to do with reconciliation through repentance, people who are estranged from each other, or estranged from God, and it doesn't look like anything's going to change on a human level, And, and that's just gospel, right? reconciliation through repentance that's the gospel so i'm i'm just going before the lord i'm reminding him of his wonderful gospel and i'm saying god i'm i'm beseeching you to do these things give give me yet another reason to praise you you've done so many glorious majestic things for me in my life so far give me give me more reasons to praise you for your power and your might you know what i'll bet if we went around the room today i'll bet you that every single person in this room has some of those impossible things that you would love to see God do. The thing about fasting is this, you can fast from any number of things, you can fast from food of course, Uh, fasting from social media and some of you get the shakes and start going through withdrawal if you just pull back from that a little bit, you know, fasting from TV time or screen time or whatever, basically in fasting what we're doing is we're saying, Lord This is more important to me than that. That you would do this is more important to me than food right now. Or screen time or whatever it is that we're we're choosing to give up. So I'm going to ask you a month out to begin asking the Lord how he would want you to participate in this eight great days of prayer and fasting. What are the impossible things that only God can do that we can join together in praying and asking God to do the impossible. He is the God of the impossible. Jesus looked at a guy one time and he said, all things are possible for the one who believes. So we're talking about praying in faith for things that we're convinced are the will of God that would magnify Christ. So I'm asking you to, to begin now preparing your heart and your mind and your life for that and begin to Set that aside. Mark it on your calendar and set that week aside, September 22nd through 29th. There will be prayer gatherings here morning and evening. It's going to be great. Praying together. Ekklesia prayer. The big idea, the big theological idea on this one is Jesus' provision of access. Jesus provided access to his people. That the tearing apart of Jesus' body The ripping apart of Jesus' body on the cross had the effect of ripping open the veil that had separated humanity from a holy God, right? He ripped it open so that we could enter into the very throne room of God as his kids and talk to our daddy about what we need and what we desire and petition him. So Jesus' provision of access. The big question here is, do you, Make a habit of coming before the Lord often in prayer with other believers. Together with other believers. That church did. I hope and pray we will as well. Another mark of that first ecclesia was regular gatherings. That's the R, regular gatherings. Yeah, they came together regularly, didn't they? Verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together. And breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. So the pattern in Jesus' church from day one has been to meet together regularly, the people of God coming together regularly, in large groups and in small groups. It says in the temple courts, thousands of people could gather there, and they needed that because they had 3,000 the first day. But then also in smaller home-sized gatherings, large group and small groups. Evidently, both of those dimensions of ecclesial life are exceedingly important, and next Sunday, Pastor Jay is going to explain why this is so. So I'm going to let him preach this point next week, and I know you'll benefit from hearing about that. But as a sidebar on this topic of coming together, let me just mention a few other venues for getting together with people that are now available right here at New Life Church. Did you know that if you are a ministry partner here, which is our word for member, a ministry partner, if you're a bona fide, certified, card-carrying ministry partner of New Life Church, there are some really fantastic spaces right here on our 10-acre campus here that you can request usage for getting together with people. You can go online and request to use these spaces. So for your next family get-together, for your next birthday party, for your next, you know, for your grandparents' uh, 50th wedding anniversary, for the next social event, the next special occasion, the next small group activity, the next ministry team meet up with with lots of food. Right here at your church, you can reserve spaces like that. Our brand-new picnic shelter house right on the back of our property over here. Beautiful space, just completed. And uh, we wanted you to know that's available for you to request and reserve for getting together, for gathering with other people. Isn't that fantastic? That thing can hold like 70 people or so. So if you got a big family, bring them out. Have a great time together. And then right next to that is a brand new fire pit just down the slope a little bit from the picnic shelter. Can, can't you just see you and your friends on a crisp September, fall evening, roasting marshmallows there, fixing s'mores together, somebody's got a guitar playing, somebody's singing kumbaya, that sort of thing, (laughs) right there, you can, if you're a ministry partner here, you can reserve that space, isn't that cool, and that's not all, we have a playground here that uh, I notice a lot of times, moms and their little kids will come, and it's, it's fenced in, it's contained, and so your kids can run around, and Jump off of things there, and the moms can sit at a table and talk or pray or whatever and just catch up. Wonderful space. You don't even have to reserve that one. You can just, just come. It's open all the time. Then our play cafe. I don't even know if many of you know that right here in our, our space here behind our cafe is a play cafe, and again, this is an, so this is an indoor space where you can come with your little kids. It's contained, and uh, there's even a Keurig machine in there, okay? So how good is that? You can come with your friends, sip coffee, your kids are having a good time playing together, and just enjoy getting together, which is part of what churches do. It's part of church life. We have a loft and an activity room here. So this room gets used a lot for a lot of different things. All of our student ministries take place up there, but you can request to reserve this space for birthday parties, for graduation parties, all kinds of stuff happen up here. There's even an elevator that goes up that can take you there if you're into that sort of thing. Next to it is a a recreation space that has um, foosball and ping-pong and all that kind of stuff. And then there's our cafe. What a wonderful space this is that, again, is available to our ministry partners here for birthday parties, get-togethers, and it's very close to our kitchen, which is really handy when you want to have food there, right? Now, we wanted you to know about these spaces because... It was ministry partners who built these spaces through their generous giving, and so they are available to you to request. Now, here's how you do it. There's a process here. Um, There's an online request form on our church website. You go to that web address right there. You can request use of any of those spaces for your upcoming activity of getting together with people. And uh, when you make your request, our facility director will look at it and see if we can make it happen, and he'll let you know if it can be approved, okay? So hold off on inviting those 75 people to your event until you get approval, (laughs) okay? Wait for approval. Once you get that, then send out the invitations and have a great time. And as I said, this is a benefit for those who are ministry partners of New Life. And there's usually a very small fee to reserve it and to cover the custodial setup and the cleanup afterwards and that sort of thing, but we wanted you to know there's some great venues right here for you ministry partners to to use. And if you're not a ministry partner yet, here's a good reason to become one, another good reason, okay? Some of you just got your phone out and signed up for the next New Life class just so you could reserve that fire pit in (laughs) October. I don't know if that very first church had a play cafe or a picnic shelter, but We do know they came together often in several different kinds of venues and they encouraged each other by sharing great meals together, enjoying each other's company, and talking about what Jesus was doing in their midst. All of it, it says, with glad and thankful hearts. So this, too, is part of what it means to be an ecclesia, regular gatherings. The big idea here, the big theological idea is Jesus' presence. That when believers come together, two or three, right, in his name, Jesus makes his presence felt among them in a special way that brings hope. When we come together, we're encouraged to realize again that we're not alone on this journey. That we we don't travel alone. We have fellow travelers on this journey with us. Isn't that encouraging to know that? Even today, I'm encouraged to just know there's hundreds of people who are on the same journey I'm on with Christ. We have Jesus, we have each other, and many times just realizing that is what our hearts need in order to keep on going for Christ. And so my big question on this point is this, are you gathering regularly with Jesus' people to experience the presence of Jesus through his family, through his sons and daughters? Well, that's what was going on in that church and I pray it's going on in this church as well. This next one was going on in that first Ecclesia also. C is contagious winsomeness and welcoming of new people. Contagious winsomeness, yes it's a word, and welcoming of new people. And this description of that church, it says in verse 47, that they were praising God and having favor with all the people. Isn't that interesting? Interesting all their neighbors, and the Lord added to their number day by day by day by day those who were being saved. I'm struck by what a winsome body of believers this was, having favor in their community. And they were very welcoming also. New people were coming into that ecclesia every single day. Think about that. So with daily additions to the group, there wasn't time to form cliques. They were too busy welcoming in brand new believers in Jesus. What an exciting church to be a part of. I kind of wonder if in their worship gatherings there in that temple courts, I wonder if they had a welcome time, you know, like we do here. I wonder if maybe Peter stood up and said, Hey, everyone, hey, hey, before I preach my sermon today, before I preach another awesome sermon about Jesus today, I want everybody to stand up and look around and just welcome everyone, welcome each other to the gathering today. I wonder if he said that. And maybe if he did, maybe he said, oh, yeah, and, and make sure you meet someone that, that, that you haven't met before because we have new people among us here every day. Make them feel welcome. Well, you know what? Here in this ecclesia, here at New Life, we have new people among us every week. Just last Sunday, I checked, we had eight first-time guests with us last weekend. First-time guest families eight of them and those are just the ones who gave us a card telling us they were here there are others who prefer to remain anonymous and that's fine we have new people among us here every single week i think jesus would want us to notice new people don't you i think jesus would want us to warmly greet them to make them feel welcome here to invite them to come back and join us again and maybe today, I'm talking about guests, maybe you are a guest, maybe today this is your first time here at New Life. I want you to know we're glad that you're here. We, we, are, we welcome you. We want you to know we're a church that's open to new people coming and checking things out here and seeing what God is up to. We want you to feel that this is a safe place to be and also a safe place for your children to be here. That was almost a Clap this close, yeah, we're not a closed entity, right, we're open, we're open to new people, Jesus is growing his body of believers, he's growing his ecclesia, and if you are new here, we want you to know that we have, at New Life, we have one main message, really, and it's Jesus, We have one main message, it's Jesus. The Jesus revealed in the Bible. The Jesus revealed in the scriptures. We believe here what the Bible tells us, that Jesus is God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and that 2,000 years ago, in human reckoning, Jesus left his heavenly home, as I said earlier, came here to this earth. He came down to give us the gift of his presence here on this earth, to become one of us. We believe that Jesus during his time here on the earth, lived the life that we should have lived. And then he died the death that we should have died. We believe he did that for us because he loves us. And no one has ever loved us like Jesus has loved us. That's why we sing songs about him. It's why we sing songs to him. It's why we worship him. If you're a guest, we also want you to know we believe in miracles. We believe in the supernatural activity of God we especially believe the miracle that Jesus was raised from the dead that he could give us the opportunity then to today have a relationship with God a relationship with God through faith in his sacrifice that removed the barrier between us and God that's what we believe we also believe Jesus brings his people together into little fellowships called churches or ecclesias, like this one, to encourage each other, to challenge each other as we come together, to keep growing together. So we hope you'll come back. If you're a guest, we welcome you to come back and check things out some more at our church. The Lord may just have something here for you. We believe that's the case. When Jesus is having his way in a church, when the Holy Spirit has freedom to work in a church, that church is going to have favor in the community, and God is going to bring new people into that ecclesia, new people into that family. Like it says here, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. And so the big theological idea on this one is Jesus expanding kingdom. That Jesus is growing his family, his, his royal family. He's winning more people to himself, he's including them in his ecclesia, and we, his people, have an important role in that coming about. And so the big question here is, how are you? How are you contributing to our church's winsomeness in the community and in the welcoming of new people here in our gatherings? Well, that's what was going on back then. I pray it's going on here as well. And the final one, final trait or characteristic of that first ecclesia I want to point out is with the H is holy fear. Holy fear. It says in verse 43, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So supernatural things were going on in that church, so much so that the people were stunned by how God was moving, stunned by by the activity of the Lord. It just blew them away. They were in awe. And that word means holy fear, holy reverence of God. Their reverence for the God who had saved them wasn't diminishing over time. It was increasing over time. I imagine there were times where they were sitting around the fire pit, you know, roasting their marshmallows. They were talking about what Jesus was doing, and they were just saying, Wow. Wow. God did that. God did that. It was God who did that. It was God who did this. It was God who did that. And they were filled with a holy awe and reverence for God. Now, I do believe, it says many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. I do believe that was a unique age in the unfolding plan of God, the apostolic age, and that those first men, those first apostles, who had actually walked with Jesus, they were a unique group who were entrusted with some unique, special, powerful gifts that God gave them in order to validate and authenticate the message they were proclaiming. The very next chapter tells us about Peter and John encountering a man at the temple. Remember, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer and there was a man there who had been lame from birth. He'd never walked in his whole life and every day people carried him to the entrance to the temple where thousands of people were streaming in and he would sit there and beg. And Peter and John came up to him and the man asked Peter and John for some money and Peter, it says, looked at him and said, I don't have any money. Silver and gold I do not have, but What I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. (laughs) Rise up and walk. And it said, the man did. (laughs) And he was jumping and leaping and praising God. It created this stir, this commotion. All the people came over and Peter took the opportunity. He seized the opportunity once again to share how the risen Lord Jesus Christ is a powerful Lord who wants to restore broken lives. And he preached the good news. Listen, that is an apostolic gift at work. And it was something very special. In my view, we don't have any capital A apostles around today. But that does not mean that God has stopped, ceased working among his people. It does not mean that. God is still doing marvelous things to cause his people to be in awe of him. Many of you have stories of miraculous healings. Some of you have stories of divine encounters. Some of you have had dreams and visions that the Lord gave to you and they came true because they were from God. Many of us have stories of powerful workings of God in and through our lives. Amen? I have some of those stories. One reason I'm calling our church to come together to fast and pray for impossible things is for this very reason, to increase our Awareness of God's ability to do incredible, miraculous things. Amazing works to raise the level of our awe of God, our holy fear of God. That we will step back and go, whoa, (laughs) that was the Lord who did that. And so I pray, Lord, give us, give not just me, but give all of us yet even more reasons to praise you and to magnify your name through your increasing activity. And so the big idea here is Jesus power, Jesus power. And my big question for you is, where are you seeing Jesus power, his awe-inspiring, life-changing power showing up in your life or in your family's life or in your ministry? And then this, are you willing to fast and pray to see even more? And I know I am. I hope you are as well. So there it is. We're out of letters, right? Jesus' very first church, the original ecclesia, the prototype, and what we've walked through together in Acts 2 are these holy practices, these rhythms of grace that the members of that very first church were devoted to, were committed to. Jesus-centered Bible preaching and teaching, emotion-filled worship, saved church members, underwater baptism, sin-repenting people, communion, huge generosity, unified prayer, gathering together regularly, contagious winsomeness and welcoming and holy fear of God. And so my prayer is this, May may the great head of the church, may the Lord of the Ecclesia, form this church here into a thriving, flourishing, vibrant church family that brings delight to his heart. As I like to say, Lord, form us into the church that brings a smile to your face every time you think about New Life Church. Pleasing to you. As we seek to follow the pattern lived out by that first church. And do this, Lord, for the good of each other, for the blessing of our city, and mostly for your glory. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me, please? We are going to partake together of communion right now, and I'm going to ask our ushers to um, prepare for that. They're going to serve the elements to you in just a few moments. So would you take these next few moments to do what we talked about last week when we talked about communion? Would you ask the Holy Spirit now, in a quiet moment of reflection, to examine your heart, And to bring to the surface, to reveal to your mind the things in your life that as a follower of Jesus are are not in alignment with the gospel that you would say you believe. I don't know what they are. Attitudes, choices, habits, thought patterns. And then as he brings them to your mind, would you do what I try to make a habit of doing and that is just own it? Just confess it. Just say, yes, Lord, this is true of me. I I repent of it. I own it. I name it. I call it what you call it. I want my heart to be clean before you. Cleanse me once again through that precious blood of Jesus. We do that so that we can be clean before him and partake of his table with a clear conscience and a clean heart. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus, this, these moments, this participation is, is for believers, and I would ask you to just spend a moment there and just say, God, if you're real, show me you're real. And I would invite you to come in a few minutes. We have prayer partners on each side here. I, w- I would love for you to just come and just say, I, I'm ready to become a Christian. I, I, I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus as, as my everything. He sacrificed his life for me. I'm ready for that. And and they would love to lead you in a prayer of faith in Jesus Christ. Then you can partake as a believer, which is what God desires. So Lord, these next few moments now, Jesus, are yours. Meet Meet with your people in a very special way. Bring unsaved people to faith in Christ. Remind us again of the beauty of your sacrifice for us and all that it accomplished on our behalf, I pray in Christ's name, amen.